Good morning. We're reading this morning from Daniel chapter 6, beginning in verse 16. Then the king commanded, and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then, at break of day, the king arose and went in haste to the den of lions. As he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me, because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king. I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no kind of harm was found on him, because he had trusted in his God." Oh, to catch everybody up, we are in our last week with this man named Daniel. We've been in the book of Daniel for a long time now. Four months, five months, I don't know. Feels like a long time. To catch you up, Daniel's a Jewish man, a Jewish prophet. And he grew up in Jerusalem, this, this, this walled city strong and mighty, but his empire, the empire of Israel, came to an end. This, em- this new empire called Babylonians marched in and crushed Israel, tore the walls down, burned the palace to the ground, and Daniel became a slave. But Daniel was, um, he's a prophet, he served in the palace, so the Babylonians saw in Daniel this potential, this raw material, and they made him serve in the palace of the Babylonians. And there, Daniel was favored by God. And even though he went through all kinds of hardships, God was with him time and time again. Well, Daniel grows up. He gets older, older, older. He sees a friend Nebuchadnezzar die. He sees Nebuchadnezzar's son Belshazzar become king. He watches that king play the fool, and he watches the Babylonian empire fall to the Persians. And old man Daniel survives that purge. He's been through three hostile takeovers. The Persians take over, and he's still serving, still serving the royal court. And God with them so much, this old 85-year-old foreigner rises through the ranks and is going to be made essentially the acting emperor of Persia under King Darius. Well, everyone who serves in the court is jealous of Daniel's favor. They, they conspire together to burn this man down. They try to find some dirt. They try to find some kind of scandal to pin on this guy to ruin his political career. But Daniel is a man after God's own heart so strongly they can find no dirt to pin on him. 
They realize the only way to beat up Daniel, the only way to tear this guy down is to use his love of his God against him. So they set a trap. They go to King Darius. King Darius lived forever. We should have a King Darius month where if anyone prays to any God or man but you, they'll be punished. And the king's like, that's a great idea. I love King Darius month. What's the penalty? Is it a fine? Is it prison time? What is it? They said, oh, no, 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 king. If someone does not honor you as the greatness you are, they should be killed. Well, how? Hung, head cut off. These enemies of Daniel, they want Daniel to suffer. They're like, well, we'll throw. Anyone who disobeys, we'll throw them into a den of hungry lions. Now, this is a horrible way to kill someone. I, spent some, I lived in India for a season, and I, 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 in my life, I have fought a great deal of many animals and survived. I have fought some big dogs. I've held my own. I have a whole strategy that I employ fighting animals. I've fought dogs. I've fought monkeys. How many of you pulled that off? But in India, I live near the Bay of Bengal. Near the Bay of Bengal, we have Bengal tigers. In the wild, not like in a zoo, out there in the high grass, there's tigers. Now, I fought lots of things. I, I, would, I, would, face a lot, I would face a lot in my life. You never want to fight a tiger you probably wouldn't see it before you were dead. Those things can bound out of the high grass and take two pounces and clear like 30 feet. These are, okay, so we have a dog in my house. We don't have a cat, because cats are mean. They are, dude. I've had little kitties tear me up Try to get it off, you throw it, it just, it's, it's, it claws tra trail your arm as it flees from you. It climbs you with the claw. Ah! Cats, little tiny three pound cats will tear you up. Tigers, the only that scared me in India, the only I, 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 I dealt with the spiders, with the monkeys, with the cobras. The tigers scared me. And in, in this ancient world of Persia, they would take, catch your lions, put them in a pit, and they'd starve them. And when someone, when someone went against the state, they'd throw them in this pit, and these animals that were hungry would tear people to pieces. And the punishments in the ancient world were not just meant to punish the transgressor. It was meant to scare any other enemies of the state. They're like, oh my gosh, that guy died this horrible death. I don't want to die like that. I'm going to obey the king. Like, I'm going to do what he says. I don't want to die this horrific, screaming death. And the king goes, it's a great idea. If someone doesn't, doesn't pray to me this month, lion's den. The, the trap is sprung, and Daniel walks right into it because Daniel will not cease to pray to his God. Daniel prays to his God. He gets caught. It's time to die. And here we are. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. If you want to see, before you leave, 
I have a painting up here on the stage, a gift from Jared Harmon when he lived in Africa. We finally put it on a, um, on a frame. It's a, it's a painting of the lion's den. Before you leave, come up here and look at it. It's a beautiful capturing of this moment. Daniel 6.16, here we go. Then the king said the word, and Daniel was brought in and cast into the lion's den. The king answered and said to Daniel, your God, whom you constantly serve, will himself save you. You understand, the king likes Daniel. The king wants to promote Daniel. The king trusts Daniel. But the king got outmaneuvered. He, they, his political adversaries put him in a corner, and the king, with all his power and all his strength, could not save Daniel. The king, with all his legal authority, he could not break the laws of the Medes and the Persians. The king can't save Daniel. The king, in obeying the law, has to condemn his friend to death. And he's like, I can't save you, Daniel. I hope your God can. I can't, I have no strength, I have no more moves, I have no more plays. I hope the God you pray to, this God whom you go to morning, noon, and night, I hope he hears you now, because you're going to die. Now, I don't know about you, I'm a pretty resourceful guy. I've got peoples. I've got a water-leaking person an electrical person, a car-making noise person. I have people, right? If something goes wrong, I know who to call about stuff, right? We got friends, we got family, we got peoples. As a person, I pride myself in knowing who to call and what to do when things go sideways. I'm resourceful. Now, the more resourceful you are, it's kind of a curse. There's this, there's this one psalm that says, Oh Lord, do not let me be poor, do not let me be rich. If I am poor, I will steal to survive, and if I am rich, I will think I do not need you. When you're resourceful, you're going to think this lie that I can control any outcome. I can find an answer when the world shakes. There comes this moment, this revelatory moment in all of our lives when we have no power. Some of you haven't been there yet. Where you have no more moves, no more phone calls, nothing you can do can save you from the fate that is coming. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a helpless place to be. And feeling helpless is horrible. It's, the, it's my least favorite emotion. I remember watching Mike Tyson years ago in a documentary, and he went back to the streets of Brooklyn where he grew up, talking about how he got bullies a little kill at the time, and then Iron Mike, the world, the, the greatest boxer I've ever seen with my own eyes, I watched Iron Mike start crying and saying how when he was a boy, he got bullied so bad, and he dedicated his life to never feel that helpless ever again. He became that monster to never, ever feel helpless. But it happens. Things happen in this life where you can't, there's not enough money, 
not enough resources, not enough networking. There's not enough wisdom to make the thing change. All of a sudden, we're helpless, and we need to be saved. I can't save myself no more. It's beyond my strength. And the king is here. The king's like, I can't save you, Daniel. The only person who can save you is this God you claim to believe in. May this God whom you serve faithfully, may he come down and save you. And sometimes for many of us, we never truly depend on him until we have nothing else to lean on. I wish there was an easier way to learn the lesson. For many of us, we'll never ever know his power until we are at our lowest. Daniel has no more moves. The king can't even save him. He's going in the pit. He's going into the pit. Verse 17, and a stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles that nothing would be changed in regard to Daniel. This is a brutal moment. The nobles know the king might try to save Daniel. So they roll a stone over. The king puts his seal of wax. Then all the nobles put their seals of wax so that the king can't go around them to save his friend. The, the, these, these conspirators, they're like, He's ours. Oh, king, you're not going to save him this day. He's going to die. We win. There's no earthly out. Verse 18, And the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting. And no entertainment was brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. It's a very interesting moment in this story, because we're not with Daniel. Daniel's in the den. We're with the king hanging out. And the king, when I read this this week, I was kind of convicted. When I'm nervous, when I'm stressed, when I'm anxious, I'm not this faithful. He fasts from food. I go to food when I'm stressed. Rom, 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 rom. <laughs> go on a sneaky speedway. They have slurpees now, which is awesome eating a secret box of cereal in the middle of the night, whatever, just something. He says, no entertainment was brought before him. When I'm stressed, I turn on YouTube and watch nonsense for three hours. I try to avoid the hurt, avoid the fear, avoid the anxiety. The king sits there in the pain, just like, I don't know who to pray to, but Daniel's God, please save my friend. He's in the den with his friend. And the king arose at dawn at the break of day and hurriedly went to the lion's den. When he had come near the den of, to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. I love your version, babe. What did it say? In a tone of anguish. The king, he's like, he had hope, but it was like an empty hope. Like, man, there ain't nothing, uh, it, there, nothing's going to save Daniel from these vicious cats. He's a he goes there and he's like, Daniel, he assumes he's dead. The troubled voice, he yells out, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, 
whom you constantly serve, been able to save you from the lions. The king wants them to be alive, but in the king's mind, ain't nothing more powerful than hungry lions. And then he hears the craziest thing. Daniel's voice coming up from out of the pit. Oh, king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lions' mouths, and they have not harmed me. Inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also towards you, O king, I have done no harm. The morning has come and Daniel is alive. And here's our first point. Our God saves. Our God saves. I hope the imagery is not lost on you. I hope when you hear about the cave and the boulder being rolled over it, that should remind you of something, yes? It's February something, something. We're six weeks away from Easter. When Jesus Christ was put in a cave, the Romans rolled a stone over that cave to seal it, to make sure no one would steal the body of Jesus and fake a miracle. They rolled the stone in front of it to say, no one's going to save you from the power of Rome. But God rolled that stone away. And God delivered Christ up from death, and he in turn can save us from our sins. Our God saves. Our God saves he saves, the, what is, we sing the song, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. How'd that chorus go? That our hearts, hope, there's an there's a ad, adverb in there, our hearts, hopelessly hunger for. The thing we long for, the, every person looking for something to give their life structure, meaning, purpose. And there's a lot of options. There's a lot of options. But when you play those options out, most of them, all of them come up short. But Jesus Christ, he is what our hearts hopelessly hunger for. He saves us from our sin. He saves us from emptiness. He saves us from the lies of this world. But this God who saves us from death and hell can also save us from the lions. There are things in this life we'll go through. There are things we'll go through in this life that are difficult. And God goes with us into those pits and can protect us down in there. I love that it says he had no harm on him. There's a thing they tell you to do if you ever see a bear. I've never heard this before. There's like animal like survival techniques. Some animals you go big for, ah, and some animals you go, ah, and you get real small. I've heard both for bears. I don't know which one's true. I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to get killed on my account. But someone once told me if a bear comes at you, land the ground and go into a ball, he'll hit you a few times and leave. The problem is those two times he hits you, that's a, that's a hundred pound hand with four razor sharp claws going blink. Like those two hits might kill you. I'm, I, the, the lions, they come to Daniel smelling like their mouths are closed. They're just like, 
blink, he's tore up. He comes out of there, he ain't like, oh, oh, man, you barely got me out alive. He comes out of there with not a mark on him. He comes, it reminds me of earlier in this book when the, the, those three Jewish boys go into the fiery furnace and they come out and the smell of smoke ain't even on them. They're protected from the damage that would have been done in the fire. They're protected from the claws and the teeth and even the crushing power of the lions. God, our God saves, God saves Daniel. We, because our God saves, you know what we should do? Because our God can save, here's what we should do. Listen to this. Verse 23. Then the king was greatly pleased and said for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. Get him up, get him up. And no harm whatsoever had been found on him. Why? Because he had believed in his God. Because our God saves, we can trust him. We can believe in him. We can cast our cares upon him. It is a hard way to live to trust the Lord. To trust his hand, to trust his power, to trust his power beyond our own power. Because our God says we can trust him, you can trust him. And not just with yourself, with your loved ones, with your kids. That's a tough one. I, when I was young, touching some guy with myself was easy. If I die, who cares? And I got married, and I'm like, okay, she loves you too. We'll be okay. If we both die in India, it'll be all right. And the kids get born, and you're like, no. You got to trust God even with them. We can trust them. The story goes on. Then the king said the word, and they that brought those men, and they brought those men who had brought charges against Daniel. So all the conspirators who tried to kill Daniel, the king's like, those guys who tricked me, bring them to me right now. Those guys who made me sign this law, who tricked me and fooled me and made me try to kill my own friend, bring them in front of me right now. This is brutal. And they cast them, their children, and their wives into the lion's den. Now, some of you, I read this and I was like, holy cow. A couple things to say about this. One, this is the king of Persia doing this, okay? We're not told this is the way you should live your life. This is not being upheld to us as a way to take vengeance on others, okay? This is the king of Persia. He's a pagan king. This is what pagan kings do to their enemies. Pagan kings, when they kill enemies, they kill them and everyone they know. Because in the ancient world, they were much more collective than we are. We are very much like a... Um, dude, here in Michigan, right now, here in Michigan, at this moment in time, we had a court case... The first time in American history, parents are being held accountable for a school shooter. Because in America, we're so individualistic. If someone does something awful, we give the family a pass most of the time. Because we're held accountable for our actions. But this time, 
because of this shooting, because of the, the circumstances surrounding that shooting, they're like, these parents, there was such negligence on their part, we're going to hold them accountable for their child's actions. Now, in America, that's very, very uncommon. In the ancient Near East, it's very common. They're a collectivist culture. If someone from a tribe does something, the whole tribe pays, okay? That's the way it was back then. And also, this is not Yahweh saying smoke them all. This is a, this is a pagan king saying this. But the king says, all these guys who try to kill Daniel and trick me, throw them and their families in. And that angel holding those lions back, that angel left. They had not reached the bottom of the den, for the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. These conspirators. This is, this is a theme you see in the scriptures a lot. There's a man named Haman who builds gallows to hang the Jews upon. And God turns the tables and Haman is hung on the very gallows he built for his enemies. In the ancient, in, in the Hebrew law, when you would bear witness in the court of law, it said when you bear witness against someone for a crime, if you bear false witness, if you lie, get someone locked up, and you, you get caught lying, you are held to the punishment. The person you're testifying against, whatever they're up for, falls on you. So if you're in a murder trial and you lie about somebody, their death penalty transfers to you for bearing false witness. There is this thing of like, how did Jesus say it? Judge not that ye be not judged. He says, with the measure you use, it'll be used against you. The same harshness you use towards others, that harshness is going to be used against you, which is why in this life, I give people a lot of rope, because I'm like, Lord, give me lots of rope. I, I give, literally, if someone cuts me off on the highway or on a side street, if they even give me a second of blinker, or a little like, like, a little like eh, I'm like, thanks, man. I get a, a little bit. Just give me a little bit to tell me you saw me. And I won't yell because I sometimes do the same thing. I need rope, so I give rope. These guys try to kill Daniel with lions, and they end up dying by the hands or by the mouths of the very lions they sicked on Daniel. And we learn a very horrifying lesson from this. Our God does save. Our God judges. I can't just skip this verse because it's hard, right? God deals with sin. Two applications from this truth. First, if in your life right now you are actively defrauding, deceiving, or hurting people, you best stop doing that. Because God's going to deal with you. I met a young man, an undocumented worker, Mexican like me, Spanish, spoke Spanish, very poor English. We worked together a few days, him and I. He told me some stories. He told me how a guy in Fenton gave him a job. 
Worked him 12 hours a day for 14 days, seven days a week. At the end of those two weeks, he's payday. And that foreman drove him in the middle of the woods, dropped him off, and left him there in the middle of winter. He thought, this guy has no rights. This guy's not even a worker. I can use him and discard him, and ain't no one going to The law can't touch me because you got no rights. God sees. God sees. If you choose to hurt the vulnerable of this world, God's going to see, and God's going to deal with you. Do not defraud, deceive, take advantage of the little people of this life. Do not try to make your fortune by crushing the poor. Because our God does judge sin. I'll say this to you. So if you're doing that, if you're doing something in this life, if you're stealing someone's paychecks, if you're defrauding someone, repent and stop. Two, if someone's hurt you and all you want is to make them pay, what do the Cleons say? They say, revenge is a dish best served cold. That's some Star Trek nerd in them for you. Basically saying vengeance tastes like ice cream. It does. Vengeance tastes yummy, man, when you eat it. Oh, I got you back. But God says, avenge yourselves against no one. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. Because God judges you don't go out there and take revenge on people. Let God deal with it. If they did you wrong, God saw it. He'll take care of it. Don't you worry about it. Don't let that bitterness fester in you. You forgive them, you let it go, and you keep living your life before the Lord. God will deal with the evil done to you. Trust him with that. Verse 25, then Darius the king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every tongue who were inhabiting all the land. So the king makes a proclamation. May your peace abound. I make a decree that all in the dominion of my kingdom, the men are to, be, the men are to fear and be in dread before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. And his dominion will be until the end. He saves and delivers and does signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who has also saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The king's like, I couldn't save Daniel, but his God could. And the king gets this half right. This man... He knows that God is powerful, but all the king sees is the greatness of God, and he's missing the goodness of God. You understand? He, seen, he sees God's power. He sees God's authority. He says, everyone, be afraid and in dread of a God that powerful. He ain't wrong. God is that powerful. He is not to be trifled with. but he's missing the other half of the equation. Is God, see, our God saves, our God judges, our God reigns. 
R-E-I-G-N-S, our God reigns, our God rules, our God is in control. That power is kind of scary. <laughs> I once met Jackie Chan in Chicago. He's a martial artist, one of my favorite action stars of all time. I met him. He's a short man. He's a small man. He's a small Asian man. He's really sweet. He's really nice. But I shook his hand, and I knew this man, in 4.5 seconds, can tear this arm off. Like, this, there's strength in this man. I don't understand. He's that fast and that talented. And even though, you know, I was a wrestler in high school, it ain't going to save me today. So I, I knew there was power here, and I respected that power. But the good news of Jesus Christ is that this God who is all-powerful wants to adopt us into his family. One of my good friends, we're hanging out one night talking, and he said these words to me, i never forget it. He said, he said, my whole life, I've always believed there was a king. And I knew the king had laws, and I tried hard to obey his laws. Then he said these words, I've never forgotten my whole life. He said, but I did not know the king wanted to be my friend. That's the gospel. Through Christ, this great king who reigns over all things wants to be our friend. I said earlier, we all have someone we call. You can call him. The God of heaven and earth who does signs and wonders, whose dominion is forever. He saves, delivers. He's a living God, enduring forever. We can go to this God with worship and adoration. I encourage you. Don't live in fear and dread of this great God. Draw near in love to this great God and be filled with his might. Verse 28, so this Daniel enjoyed success in the kingdom of Darius and the kingdom of Cyrus the Persian. The story of Daniel is not a story of how awesome Daniel is. The story of Daniel is a story of how great God is. These three truths, I don't know which one you need. Our God saves, you can trust him. Our God judges, you best repent. Our God reigns. Worship and draw near to this God. Because he, he is great, but he is also good. With that said, let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for this day, for your word that is true. There's so many stories here in this room. Some of us need to remember you save. We've got to put our faith in your, in, your, in your love for us. Some of us need to repent because we have forgotten that you judge and protect the vulnerable, O oh Lord. And some of us live in fear of you. You do reign, but some of us, like King Darius, 
Darius is so close to the truth. But all he knows is fear and dread. And the children of the Lord are meant to know more than fear and dread. We are meant to know peace. So Lord, let us trust you. Let us repent and let us worship. In Christ's name we ask all these things.